It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its donors. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. The Upfront panel is convening on this Thursday morning, August 19th. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our discussion platform here at uh, WNRI. We've got a whole bunch of topics to talk about from international to right down to Main Street. So uh, in between, there's a whole bunch of topics there, too. So you're welcome to call us here at 769-0600-766-1380. And up front at WNRI.com if you want to send us an email. In studio with us, after a little uh, time away, is uh, Christopher Boulay. Nice to have you back. Are you ready for today's show? This is what I say to John Brian on Friday. <laughs> Are you prepared for today's show? Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listen. I have absolutely prepared, but I go away for a week and uh, a country falls. It's yep. like a lot of news happens. <laughs> yes. And maybe that's where we should begin. A country falls, right? Uh, the uh, government of Afghanistan and you being in the business that you're in, does uh, a country like uh, Afghanistan falling uh, affect uh, the uh, the marketplace uh, out there? Or is it, um, you know, just another news day? Well, Je- Jeff Gamash had asked me that question uh, in the green room a few uh, minutes ago, and there's a couple of things going on. First, I apologize publicly for giving the wrong uh Information. I was thinking uh, of Benjamin Franklin when it came to the New York Post, so I gave him the wrong answer, in fact, and crap. Referring to an earlier trivia question. Okay. Yes, uh, yes. I, right. I had a brain fart and I forgot about Alexander Hamilton, how I could do that. I don't know. But right now, the market is pulling back a little bit the last couple of days, and the futures, if we talked about that, is an indication of how the market's going to open. It's not always where the market's going to go, but right now, it's about down about 400 points. So there's two things going on, and I think one getting maybe more attention than it possibly deserves and the other one may not be getting the attention it deserves so the Federal Reserve uh, the Reserve Bank of the United States is very accommodative right now for interest rates and they have a program where they're actually buying bonds in the open market uh, to help create liquidity and lower interest rates so I think the number is about $120 billion a month that the Federal Reserve buys in, in the open market and what that has the effect of is creates liquidity in the market and artificially lowers interest rates. When interest rates are low, economic activity can tend to be high and stocks tend to do well. When stocks will grow uh, when, when they're high, stocks will die when, when, they're, when the interest rates are high. So that's one issue that's getting a lot of attention. The issue I'm kind of focusing on, which I, I told talked to Jeff about, is with this move in Afghanistan in this complete unmitigated disaster for America, people may realize that it actually does matter who, who the President of the United States is. And we talked about this in 2020 in November after Trump was defeated. Trump was considered to be very pro-business. You had a former business person, current business person running the United States like a business. And the initial thought was, well, now we're going to have a change and we're going to have problems. Well, the market didn't see it that way. And in November of 2020, the, the S&P 500 went up 11.5%, which was the highest since January of 1987. So now we continue. The market is doing very well. The Dow Jones is at 35,000. They are an all-time high. The S&P 500, which is a broader measure of the market, is at an all-time high. And you're going and going and going. And you're saying, eh, you know, there's going to be yin and yang between the Democrats and Republicans. Maybe the important stuff will get passed. The other stuff won't happen. We'll have gridlock. And the economy will do well. Well, when you have this issue, like Afghanistan... And this morning you recognize that uh, Senator Jack Reed uh, strongly criticized the president and nobody is stepping in line to defend what the president did. It looks like there's some recognition that this guy could do some real damage. And I haven't said that for months and months now. I've been very straightforward saying it doesn't seem like the stock market cares that a Democrat is in office and a Democrat who has trouble putting a sentence together and very incoherent and got dementia. Nobody seemed to have a problem with it, but with this one right now, um, it's it's creating a problem in the market, and I, and I think um, it'll shake up the market a little bit more. So, are decisions being made by Joe Biden, or 
uh, can we blame his cabinet and advisors? I mean, is he really the the final authority on this, or do we have a, a person who's who's um, holding a news conference talking about decisions that maybe he wasn't really aware of or or understood the consequences of? We never know, and you know, we're not in Afghanistan, and we're only you and I and the rest of the world, for the most part, is just taking in the information and trying to assess it. But there's an excellent. Um, article on page four of the Wasaka call. It's from Mark Thiessen. And it says, Afghanistan isn't Biden's first mistake. And he relives in 2011 when, under the Obama administration, Biden led the withdrawal from Iraq. And that was a disaster, and that's where ISIS came from. And he admitted afterwards that it was a big mistake, and he handled it wrong, and they should have kept a force there. And then he actually criticized President um, Trump for moving uh, the forces from Syria and, and uh, creating the issue there. So eventually, he probably will admit that this was a disaster, but right now, he's just kind of shell-shocked. And I don't know if I really answered your question. I don't know. The President of the United States is supposed to have the ability to you know, put the codes in and fire nuclear weapons, is the leader of the free world, and nobody really knows what's going on. But again, for months and months and months, as it relates to the market, I think everyone just kind of brushed it off. And now the people are shell-shocked how stupid he did this and, and, and the callousness and didn't see what all of his generals were saying. So what I'm reading and hearing is that he was told not to do this, and, and he did it anyway. You're on the Upfront program, and um, did we uh, tell you it's a talk show? And so if you've got something that you'd like to talk about, we've decided to go international first. You're uh, welcome to uh, call. You may have an opinion on an international topic. You may have an opinion on the uh, performance of uh, the governor of Rhode Island, now holding two news conferences a week, one for general media purposes on Tuesdays at 2, and now one for the health department featuring uh, the health department officials and him. So he's, um, he's getting plenty of news exposure, that's for sure, Governor Dan McKee. Now, the question is, do you like what he's doing or not is another question. So that will be at 2 o'clock this afternoon, and that will be the second news briefing of the week, but it's a health-related one. And so that's uh, one of the state issues. And then, of course, you've got the, the local um, frying pan with uh, a couple of eggs in the um, in the pan, uh, there's a Denise Sierra, and there's uh, there's the mayor, and and then uh, some bacon with um, you know Jim Canoya thrown in there. It's really uh, quite the interesting uh, exchange. Uh, but uh, basically, it boils down to, from my point of view anyway, um, that uh, the council is uh, trying to uh, get the message to the mayor. That um, if you don't start um, including us in uh, decisions and informing us of particular moves you're going to make, um, then uh, we're going to have to do something about it. And I do believe in the Russ Oliver story today in the call that the mayor uh, conceded in her interview with him, which took place here at WNRI. Russ was here at the station yesterday interviewing her in our lobby after the program that uh, she may have made a error in judgment by not letting the council know that she um, moved the location of the shaded pavilion um, from one location to another. But anyway, it is um, one that you as a taxpayer have to judge as to whether the council has a legitimate gripe with the mayor or whether it's, um, as some people say, Shakespeare, much ado about nothing. <laughs> right. I, I, I think... A fair statement would be if this was in a vacuum, if this was the only uh, yin and yang for the city council and the mayor, it, it would be no big deal whatsoever. You're talking about a $12,000 investment that was put in a different place, although to me the mayor's explanation doesn't make any sense because that um, a river's edge uh, ground is tapped, and you can only go 20 inches deep with the uh, w w with the footing of, of that building. So it, it doesn't make any sense if, if you know anything about that area. 
uh, because of the uh, trash that was covered. Uh, I think it was a $4.5 million uh, coverage that we had to pay for uh, by DEM. So that, that, that doesn't make any sense. But if this was just one issue, I, I think it's nothing. But it's been constant issues. And it, it raises the question that I, I want to raise is, given the city council's makeup now, the, the seven of them, and then you consider the mayor, if either one of them had full autonomy to run the city, who would do a better job? Right? Uh, that's not the way it works because you got the legislative branch, you got the executive branch. But would we be a better city if the mayor could do whatever the hell she wanted and not get permission from the city council? Conversely, would we be a better city if we didn't have a mayor and we had a city council, um, which, which I consider to be a strong one? Would it be better if they were able to run the city without checking with the mayor? And um, that may be an irrelevant question, but I, I wanted to put it out there and say, you know, who's doing a better job and leading the city forward? And based on the fact that we're still a distressed community, you could say there's lacking in, in both sides. Well, we've seen it uh, here in the region. Uh, I, I think you're referring to like maybe having a town manager. I don't think I, that word phrase came up in your discussion just now. And, and it won't. But it'll be city manager. Uh -huh. <laughs> just but, teasing. Uh, um, I think uh, we see plenty of that around this area. You know, we've got a we've got Blackstone with a uh, paid town manager, and we've got uh, Bellingham with a paid town manager. Uh, seems to work very nicely in Bellingham. Uh, because um, uh, of the guy that they have there, and not so well in Blackstone. And because um, sometimes that town manager can be just a, a puppet of the, um, of the Board of Selectmen or the, or the town council. So it really varies from community to community. I've seen it go from elected official to town manager back to elected official as it has in North Smithfield. So, um, so I don't know um, what, what uh, the answer is in terms of, of uh, who uh, should uh, be running the city and, and whether the current organization of city government um, is, um, shall we say, the best one for the city of Unsocket in 2021. It, it would be interesting. The other example is down the street in Boroughville. I think Michael Wood is still the um, town manager, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And that's run well. And they, they tend to be more professional. They tend to have experience in that area. And they tend to get better salaries because you've got a better pool of people that you can draw on for municipal government. And, and I've said this a hundred times and nobody's disputed it. Um, for the city, I would love to see the city no longer have to beg for a community development block grant money. Here we are fighting over half a million dollars. And I would like to make it a moot point because we're so, doing so well as a city that we don't need the municipal welfare that was handed out by the government. And nobody seems to share my opinion of, of where we need to go as a city because we're just treading water. It, it's obvious we're just treading water. Well, there's a reason why I'm uh, in favor of the current system right now, because uh, we wouldn't have any talk shows. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then we wouldn't have any political advertising. So, uh, they, you know, you're going to watch what you're saying here. <laughs> or you could put me right out of business. Yes, right? uh, we, we, we don't want that. All right, Chris has changed his mind. We'll be back in a moment. Inside or outside dining, or your favorite pickup order from Grumpy's Restaurant in Bellingham. Open seven days a week with a great luncheon menu and a full menu from burgers to steaks to seafood and mouth-watering Italian dishes, including pizzas, on one of the best menus in the area. Hungry today or tonight? Come in and enjoy friendly service, reasonable prices, and great food at Grumpy's. Call ahead for pickup or to place a reservation to dine in at 508-883-0101. Grumpy's Restaurant, 190 Pulaski Boulevard in Bellingham. Grubhub delivery is available. All right, and uh, Grumpy's is open for lunch every day. At noontime, and we have a luncheon menu. And then Monday through Thursday, you can enjoy our great $10 meals. When you come into Grumpy's after 4 o'clock Monday through Thursday, like today's Thursday, uh, the, um, the wait staff will hand you the regular Grumpy's menu and the $10 specials. We were in there on, I think, uh, probably Monday night, yeah. And uh, I had one of the $10 specials. I had this huge... Um, Grumpy's made meatloaf, and it was so huge I just cut it in half, and I had mashed potatoes along with um, 
the nice green beans. So the you get two homemade sides with the uh, with the meatloaf, all for ten dollars. And I had a nice meatloaf um, breakfast on Tuesday morning here at the station. There was so much uh, meatloaf, all for ten bucks. You can't beat it. It changes every night. Monday night was meatloaf. It could be uh, four or five different specials tonight. So uh, try it out. We're Grumpy's, and we're in uh, Bellingham, Massachusetts, and we're open today. And uh, tell uh, Brian, we had a nice conversation with him the other night, that WNRI sent you. And many people do mention WNRI. And, uh, of course, that makes uh, the Grumpy's people happy that their advertising is working. Kay Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cast Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kay Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kay Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. That little red truck is all over the area. It belongs to A&R Trailer Rentals. We have 45-foot storage trailers for rent or lease and 20-foot ground-level containers available. We also offer leasing with option to buy. We specialize in household and commercial storage for the public. And if you're looking for a place to store household items while remodeling or renovating, look no further. We have your temporary storage needs available for a fraction of the cost of a storage facility. Call Al Gagnon today, 766-1919. And he'll take care of you. For your lawn and garden, we can deliver Wright's Farm Cow Manure. Or you can select an organic mix, which is lab-tested by the University of Maine for your lawn and garden, along with gravel, sand, clay, stone dust, and mulch, all delivered to your property. Al Gagnon's Little Red Truck will bring it to you. For information, call Al at 766-1919. That's 766-1919. Walt's Clothing making room for new fall items. Now until Labor Day, all shorts and short-sleeve graphic t-shirts are 25% off at Walt's. And we also have select style of boots on sale. And a full clearance rack for you to go through. And deals throughout the store. Summer is going by fast, so now's the time to uh, snag a great savings at Walt's Clothing. 837 Cumberland Hill Road, right here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And now, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The panel has convened. It's Roger and Chris, Thursday morning. And uh, let's uh, listen to an email here. Uh, Chris, it says, ask Chris what would happen to the economy... And the purchasing power of the dollar slash Federal Reserve note if it were replaced as a world reserve currency. What does that mean? <clears throat> the uh, United States dollar is the de facto reserve currency. So what that means is most of the trades uh, trading in the world, I think it's like 98% of the world's trades are settled in U.S. dollars. When oil and gold and silver and all commodities are priced, they're priced in U.S. dollars. So the U.S. is the de facto leader. So these discussions is if our economy was to fall behind, is there any way that there could be another currency? And, and I think that's, for the, for the near future, probably you know, 20 years, I think that's very unlikely. The euro tried to, you know, was got together with uh, the European countries, and that was going to be a currency that was supposed to challenge uh, the U.S. dominance, and it, and it failed. And the yuan in, in, in um, China, they, they keep that money in the country. It doesn't flow out only if the government says so, the CCP. So, therefore, that can't really be a world currency. So, it would certainly not be good for us. It would be... You know, we'd lose our status in, in, in the world as a, as a dominant economy. And as I've mentioned a lot of times, I give a lot of emphasis on the GDP of a, of a given country. The GDP of Russia is about, I don't know, $2 trillion maybe. It's 11th in the world. And the United States GDP is getting close to $23, $24 trillion. It's by far the largest in the world. China's around tw- about $14 trillion. So we are still dominant despite some of the missteps that happened uh, uh, in the last couple of weeks. 
Um, and despite the fact that we're spending way, way too much money um, in, in that money that we don't have and we're creating a larger and larger deficit, we're, we're still um, by far uh, the tallest individual uh, in the country, uh, in the world in terms of economics. And uh, there was another note on this email that said, um, how much free money can be handed out willy-nilly? I, is, is that related to that question, or is the, is the emailer talking about another topic that we talked about a little bit earlier? No, I, I think I can expound upon that. I think what the uh, writer of the email is asking is, we start spending, you know, it used to be the old the joke from the congressman, uh, I forgot his name, back you know many years. He said, you, you spend a billion here and a billion there, and you pretty soon you're talking about some real money. And now it's a trillion here and a trillion there, and you think about that. The United States spent about $750 billion to bail out the industries, the financial industry and the auto industry and what have you in 2008, 2009. Now we're talking like six or seven trillion dollars and wasn't that long ago. It was 11, 12 years ago. So, no, there's, there's a limit to how much you can spend. We don't know what that limit is. And I've quoted that Italy, their uh, debt to GDP is about three to one. Japan is about three to one. Japan has a very aging population and they've got problems. We have passed the one for one, but clearly if you keep pumping money into the economy, you're going to create inflation. If you know, I'm old enough to remember that you could get a Big Mac meal, a Coke and fries and a Big Mac for about $3. Now if you go up the street on Diamond Hill, you're looking at around $11. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when, I, when I'm really desperate, and not, which is not often, I, 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 I do succumb to that. And really? We'll, and we'll get a, a Big Mac meal or something like that. And that's the whole fallacy of a minimum wage of $15. My feeling is, why don't you just make it $1,000 an hour? You know, it doesn't matter. But if you're giving people money to stay home... And give them $300 in unemployment, and they're taking that money and not saving, they're spending it. It's going to create demand, which is going to create inflation. I was playing golf with a, with a business person yesterday. He's talking about he, he had a beautiful deck built on his house, and he's close to the contractor. And I guess about six months ago, a two-by-four that they were talking about was $11 a piece. Now they're down, back down to around three fifty. So some of this um, inflation is transitory. Some of it may not be, but no, there is a limit to how much you can just give away free money. As we just discussed earlier, it creates a sugar high, but eventually it weakens the dollar, and you have to do things that maybe you don't want to do. Maybe you're increasing your allocation to equities when, in fact, you'd rather have CDs. Well, if you've got a five-year CD paying your 0.4%, uh, and you're paying taxes on that, you've got inflation at 3%, it's probably not a good investment. That by itself creates... Um, can can create bubbles in the stock market because more and more people are investing because it's teener. There is no alternative. This is the Upfront program. We have some callers, Mr. Uh, Chris Boulay. You want to uh, talk to some uh, listeners? You've Absolutely. You haven't talked to them in a while. Yes. Yes. Where have you been? All right. Hello there. Welcome to the program. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. First, first of all, let me just say that it's a pleasure to be on my favorite talk show on Thursday morning. Well, thank you. Well, how about that? <laughs> uh, I'd like to comment, if you will, uh, on uh, the mayor's uh, comments yesterday. Sure. Pertaining to uh, Albert Popelant and the uh, plan that uh, we're work starting to work on. Yes, the Bopelant plan, uh, but it's not called the Bopelant plan per se, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Um, First of all, uh, I guess p different people have different uh, memories on what actually happened. Uh, the mayor said that uh, that at, at the beginning, you know, Al Bopelant went and uh, talked to her uh, about his plan, and uh, she said she uh, wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. That's what Al Bopelant is saying, and uh, several years later, matter of fact, about five years later, uh, uh, there was a gentleman that went into the planning department at a part-time, not part-time, but a uh, reserve, kind of a reserve person in the planning department, and he, uh, he made the statement that the 
planning department is not big enough to handle the Beaufort plan uh, right now because uh, they were short-staffed. And uh, the part that uh, questioned that I questioned about the mayor's uh, statement yesterday is when uh, she said uh, pertaining to. Well, uh, wait a minute. I get a little mixed up here. Uh, I just got up. I need to make this point, and and I should have uh, waited a few minutes before uh, calling you, um, gentlemen. You know, I, I'm I'm going to. Um, I'm going to call some other time because I'm not quite feeling myself this morning. And uh, okay, no problem. I, I, okay. I don't want to make any mistakes. Okay. okay. All right. You're I'll welcome to you. call uh, John Breen. Will be on tomorrow. You're welcome to call him too. Okay. Okay. Thank All right, you. Bye bye. All right. Um, and that was uh, Roger Gillette, and he was going to make a few points, and then he decided to uh, recollect his thoughts and call back at another time. So let's go to another phone call. Hello there. Hi, I've been waiting for you to go national, but you didn't, so I will anyhow. Well, Afghanistan sounded pretty national to me. Right? Oh, that's true. Yeah. But, um, All right, go ahead. you know, I've been watching, and a lot of people, and I, I keep saying, like Tucker Carlson says, maybe we should stop all immigration and learn how to live with each other. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. If you got a party that's pushing socialism, critical race theory, defunding the police. I don't care if it causes division or not. Those people aren't someone I want to work with. Those people are some people that must be defeated, not worked with. And I'm sorry if that's too much for some people out there to hear, but the bottom line is my sensibilities do not allow me to work with someone who wants to make America a socialist country. My beliefs do not allow me to work with someone who wants to defund the police. I don't want to work with them for a shared goal of partially defunding the police or partially becoming socialist or any of that or partially teaching critical race theory. That my neighbor and I can't be friends because we're different races. Yeah. That attitude, those people must be defeated, plain and simple. And if, and if that causes division, well, it's good. Yeah. I'd well, like to see, imagine yeah. if there was no division in World War II and we decided instead of defeating Hitler, we we're going to join with him. Yeah. No, you're... What kind of world yeah. would we and, have? And, and, I'm, and, I'm not, and I'm not the one to, uh, qualified to defend Tucker Carlson, but on the other point, he's, he's agreeing with you, and I, I watch him nightly, and if I miss him, I tape him. I think he's the most important person on TV. But he does make comments. There were, there were people, to go with your point, there were people in the news, like Jennifer Rubin, uh, who, who's just crazy. They were rejoicing the fact that whites are, are declining in America, and parts of the reason was there was a, the high opioid and there were early deaths and what have you, and people were actually enjoy, uh, rejoicing on that. And he said, that's the kind of stuff that's going to, if you want to divide a nation, then that's what you do. So I think Tucker Carlson's agreeing with you because if you want to push critical race theory and you want to take away the discussions and the, the, the tenets of Martin Luther King Jr., where we're going to judge people on the content of their character and not the color of their skin. When you've got this group in Washington deciding who's a minority, who's going to get special treatment, that is the beginning and the end of our society. So I think in many ways, Carlson, not speaking to him, would agree with you. Oh, and, and I agree with you in general. He, just that he made that one comment. You, you see where I'm going with Yeah, that, yeah, there's right? nobody more, there's nobody more, uh, there's probably nobody I know who admires Tucker Carlson more, and there's nobody who's more critical of him when he says something stupid, it catches my attention very, very strongly. And I know, it was, it was, I know what he said, I heard what he said, and I think he did it in the content of um, the other things that you're discussing. Okay, and maybe, maybe so, but I did want to bring up the point, yeah, I, I do not believe that these are people we should work with, we, we must defeat them, and I remember, and I, I believe I heard this, I may be wrong, you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, Governor Kachuri at one time, I heard he made a statement, perhaps not, but I thought he did that, after he got out of being governor, he said, the biggest mistake I made was trying to work with the teachers' union. I should have worked to defeat them. Um, I don't. Rem 
I, I, I can, I can actually say he's, he said that on the show. So yes, he, he basically okay. applied that on his way out. Cause I had asked him about his legacy and he, he got mad at me. He goes, I'm not, Chris, I'm not talking about legacy. That's stupid. But, and he did make some comments about that. So you are hundred percent correct. See, and, and that's what I'm saying now. If you're out there and you're listening, you hear my voice, just remember, if someone wants to teach your kids critical race theory, if someone wants to make America a socialist country, if someone wants to defeat, defund the police, don't try to work with them. Explain to them. Get in their face and explain to them without violence that, you know what, stop. You're wrong. We're not going to put up with it. We're not going to have that. It's not going to happen in our country. We will fight to defeat yeah, you, and, period. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, uh, Paul Borget is, 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 is a friend of mine. I consider him a good friend. I also very much like the Superintendent McGee. However, I think if they force masks, mandatory masks on children, I think that's child abuse. It's, it's what, I, I agree with that. Yeah, it's, and it's, I will make yeah. one other I would like to make one other statement. The last, one time I, I talked on the show not very long ago. I mentioned that one of the problems we have, a lot of this is being driven by Marxism. And the next guy came up and says, ha, 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 ha. Oh, I don't see any Marxists out there. No one's carrying a flag. No, one, no one's, um, you know what? That person who laughed is a fool. If you don't believe the Marxists are behind a lot of what's going on in this country and that they're a force to contend with, then you are a fool. You better reevaluate what the heck you're thinking about because they're here. And just because they're not outright carrying a flag doesn't mean you know what. Nope, no, I, I agree hundred percent. Look at the uh, attorney generals and the district attorneys around the country being supported uh, uh, by, by some of the Marxists. They, they're giving them money. Um, and um, they're actually asking them to, to break the law and to not enforce the law. You're, you're, you're 100%, I think you're 100% correct today. Thanks and for the call. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, a lot of people don't understand is how much of our, 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 our public um, communications, I'm done, you know, media, sorry, media, has been taken money from China, from the Communist Party of China. A lot of our media has, a lot of our media supported by it. A lot of our media that's spreading false rumors and garbage that would have been out of business has been kept in business and supported by China. And that's another thing a lot of people need to think about. Uh, absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a good day. Have a good day. You know, you think about the China connection, and you look at Le LeBron James, who he's got some good qualities. He's, he's a wonderful basketball player, um, he, he, but he, he, he's biting off more than he can chew. He can be a hypocrite because he is complaining about the way folks are treated in America. And, but he will not take on the Chinese, Chinese Communist Party. And we know people are being executed in China. They're being persecuted. They're being used for body parts. The, the Chinese Communist Party is evil. And because of the multi-million dollar contract, becoming billion dollar contract between China State and the NBA, he's afraid to speak out. And I, and I think that's a very undesirable characteristic. You're on the Upfront program on WNRI. We're going to grab another call before we grab another break. Hello, your comments, please. Good morning. You know, we have the uh, teachers' unions within the state of Rhode Island that, that carry a lot of clout. And they have lobbyists uh, by, the, by the dozen. I don't know if people realize if they belong to NEA. I, I cannot say at I don't know exactly AFL, but a certain amount of what you give to the state, a portion of it is put aside for political reasons. Well, you have the right to ask for that money because you do not agree with what they're doing. And that amount, and it may be $20 or whatever it's going up to now, they have to send it to you. But they don't tell you that from day one. I found it out, and years ago I did it, and people around me would again ask for the paper, but at the beginning of the school year, when your new school year starts, you have the right to get that money back because you don't follow their political strategies. 
Yeah, what did the uh, union head say a while back nationally? They said, you know, when it comes to the children, for us to teach us, who are you going to support? He goes, I support the teachers because the kids don't pay union dues. Well, I'll well, tell you, there's a lot of truth in it, but it doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. Well, he, he, he said it. You got to give him. Uh, I, I just criticized LeBron James for not being honest. I think we should recognize the honesty and, and the uh, leader of the teachers union saying, I'm going to support the teachers over the students because they, uh, they pay union dues. So thank you for the call, as always. Okay. Have a great day. This is the Upfront Program on WNRI, sponsored by Champs Liquors. And you'll find them right here in Woonsocket on Clinton Street. Time out for Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs reintroduces flip-flop wines. And listen to this. We have two bottles of flip-flop for $10, including Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Pink Moscato, regular Moscato, Chardonnay, and Pinot Grigio. Again, two bottles for $10. Mix and match. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California in six varieties, including Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and Moscato choices. And yes, it's two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyard's quality wine experiences. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light 30-pack. 2647 plus tax. New hours for the convenience of customers, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily. So, for a great selection of beer, wine, and spirits, you can count on Champs Liquors. 481 Clinton Street. Have a question? 765-1800 and speak to Mike, the manager. And that's exactly what I did. Um, uh, Might have been yesterday or the day before yesterday. Mike, the manager at... Um, Champs, and he was telling me about the new uh, line of Italian wines. This is a semi-sweet line. It's called Stella Rosa, and we have it in all kinds of different um, flavors, including green apple, semi-sweet. And we have it um, in um, what we call Stella Berry, and we have it in watermelon, blueberry, what we call blackberry. Also, um, we have... um, a couple of other uh, special flavors. See the entire line of Stella Rosso wines, the original wine from Italy, and we are now stocking it. Um, uh, since incidentally, they've been making this wine since 1917. We are now stocking it at Chance Liquors for Keyway right here in Woonsocket. And uh, the next message is um, about Thursday night at River Falls. Well, first of all, River Falls will be open today. For your uh, luncheon uh, dining at 11.30. And then they'll be open all through the day serving their regular menu. But on Thursdays after 4, all you can eat shrimp for $15.99. I love shrimp. And I love this special. There are at least a dozen different combinations of shrimp that you can have. Including my favorite shrimp, Fra Diablo. And uh, and what happens is you order a, an order of uh, shrimp, $15.99. And then after you've uh, finished with it. You can order um, another order of shrimp. And after you're finished with that, another, well, as much as you want. It's all you can eat, fifteen ninety nine every Thursday, right there at River Falls Restaurant, right at Market Square here in Woonsocket. And I hope you'll stop in and enjoy their good food. They had a great turnout last night for the original Dinner for Two. That's every Wednesday at River Falls. And that promotion is uh, doing very, very nicely. River Falls, open for lunch today. Try it. You'll love their burgers. And the River Falls is home of the Woonsocket Rotary Club meetings every Thursday. We just wanted to mention that. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The panel has resumed. And uh, it is uh, Roger, it is Chris, and it is um, uh, some of our callers, 7690600. We've had uh, three already. You're welcome to uh, join, and uh, actually four, and also a couple of emailers. So thank you for your participation in the program. Always a pleasure uh, talking to you about the issues that uh, are surfacing, and they keep coming up. Um, One thing about talk radio is we're never at a loss for 
things to talk about. What's on your list, Chris? Well, I wanted to talk about the cancer culture on steroids. When I uh, went on uh, vacation last week, I missed Thursday, I went down to TPC Yasa Palana, and I say that because I was challenged. I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. It's a golf course in Princeton, New Jersey, which is a sister course of TPC Boston. So we went down there and played for a couple of days. I made, and I told you this early in the green room, I made the mistake of going over the George Washington Bridge on the way to New Jersey, and I was on there for an hour and a half, and I said, that's not going to happen. So we came back on the Tappan Zee Bridge, which is a new bridge, and it's actually known as the Mario Cuomo Bridge. Yeah. And or at least for the time being. Yes. So I sent you an article. This is where it gets a little ridiculous um, because of the troubles that his son had by resigning, and his son was a three-time uh, elected twice, was you know a governor for three terms, looking for a fourth term. He wanted to beat his father, but I think his father, Mario Cuomo, we don't know, revisiting his history, but he was thought of as a pretty sharp guy, was running for president in 1984. But the point I'm making is, is the Mario Cuomo bridge, and there are people out there signing uh, signatures to have it changed because of... Uh, because of stuff his, his son may or may not have done. And I just think that's so ridiculous um, that people are going to do that, where we're going to find things out about people uh, years later and we're going to change it. I mean, Martin Luther King was one of the most important people probably in the history of America, and he had many personal flaws. Are we going to go back and start taking his name off of stuff and changing holidays? I don't think so. So I just thought it was really asinine that they're going to think about changing the bridge, uh, which anyway, everyone calls it the Tappan Sea Bridge anyway, but, um, <laughs> and it's funny, I just, just for travel, I know you like travel, and I told you, I was locked on George Washington Bridge for about an hour and a half, and when I came back on the Tappan Sea Bridge, I didn't have to slow down, I did 65 miles an hour during the whole thing, so if you're in, listening, you probably already know it, but don't take the George Washington Bridge. All right, and um, also, you didn't talk to Dick Bouchard. Because he would have sent you up a little bit further up the road to cross the bridge. I forgot what uh, that bridge Brunswick, is. Maine? Uh, <laughs> not that further up the Hudson. Uh, uh, but uh, we all have our different ways of approaching New York City. My way of uh, doing New York is Amtrak. Right? Yes. <laughs> Goes right into Penn Station. and uh, that's. Uh, well, but, of course, you weren't going. But you could have taken the um, the Amtrak to, to uh, New Jersey. Yes. I'm, well, uh, my, my uh, push is I want to send my golf clubs by ship sticks to... Because the next one we're going to is TPC um, Potomac, mm -hmm. so I would rather take the um, take the train down to uh, Washington D.C. and send my clubs ahead of time. Uh, I know nothing about uh, the game of golf, but are you saying that a person who uh, is really into the golf game cannot just um, move themselves to another place and 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 use uh, do is there such a thing as what we'd call country club golf clubs? In other words, just the ones that are there, but you have to actually bring your own clubs that were manufactured by somebody. Um, uh, are they that personal? Uh, the golf clubs uh, and and uh, and having them uh, the ones that you use every day. Oh, well, that's a, that's a terrific question. Uh, at, at a high upscale cost, like 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 uh, TPC uh, Yaza Polana. Um, you can rent clubs, yes. but the clubs that I have are $185 to rent for a round. And when you think and you juxtapose that, because I'm a member of TPC, I can play around the country for the cot fees. So it costs me $35 a piece to play for the, for the, at the cost. So hopefully answering your question. So if I didn't want to bring my clubs, I could rent clubs very similar to mine for almost two hundred dollars. Well, I meant shipping the, them, having them shipped, uh, uh, right? Oh. As opposed to uh, you know just throwing them in your trunk. Oh no, no. If, if you don't want to carry them, what happened is without the um, was it the sky caps? Mm -hmm. So yes, yeah, at Amtrak. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, without the sky caps and the plane, I'm carrying two sets of luggage, and, and you know it's a pain in the butt with all your luggage. So FedEx has this thing called ship sticks, and they will come to your house, they will pick up your golf clubs, and they will ship them to the golf course. So if, and so you want to play at least twice. I don't want to play once. So if you play twice, 
um, and then you leave them there. They'll ship them back, mm-hmm. so you never have to carry them to the airport or, or the train station. Well, um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a luxury, but mm-hmm. it depends how if you want to do it or not. Well, I took advantage of that luxury when uh, my wife and I went on a Viking cruise um, mm. in France. Um, and so all that luggage, I said, um, there must be a better way. So there is a company that does that kind of thing. What they do is they pick up your luggage at your house. And the next thing is it's in your room on the, uh, on the cruise ship. Or on the on the river cruise boat, I guess you would call it. Uh, so you get to your room, you open the door, and there it is. It was on Prospect Street, Woonsocket. <laughs> and the same thing goes. Um, uh, you uh, leave it in your room uh, when you leave the ship, and then when you get home, there it is um, at your house. That's a pretty good... Um, and what happened is we had it shipped, so it would arrive a couple of days after we got back. So nice. we'd be there. So, yeah, it is a, it is a luxury. But it was closed. But when I heard that you could do it with golf clubs, I was wondering what the uh, thinking was, uh, whether they were per- so personal to you that um, that would justify doing something like that. Yeah, I mean... They're heavy. Yeah, what yeah, they are. yeah they're, they're heavy. I think I get it. And if you car- you're carrying two sets, it, it, it's, it's heavy. But um, again, the, op- the option would be at a high-end golf course, you can most likely rent a set that's very similar to yours. But to go one step further, ship sticks, which is run by Federal Express, they'll also ship your luggage too, just like you experience. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to be completely lazy, I mean, they're going to mm-hmm. the same place. So literally, they would actually ship them, but they ship them to the hotel, so now you got to bring your golf clubs from the hotel to the golf course. Yes. Completely lazy is what it was. Y- yes, exactly. <laughs> I didn't... Uh, the thought of handling a couple of bags uh, from Woonsocket to Logan, and then Logan to uh, Paris, and then... Uh, 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 t- and I watched some of the people do that, uh. and we kept saying again and again... What a great move it was to have the, lug- <laughs> the luggage picked up in Woonsocket. It didn't have to worry about customs. It was, um, it was the only way to do it. But, as you said, quote-unquote, it was a luxury. Um, and it's the first time I ever did it that way. And it's going to be always in the future. Yeah. If I ever do any traveling again, uh, thanks to COVID-19. Yeah, see, my, my problem, too, is if I'm going to play twice, I might bring four, out, four or five outfits to make sure that I'm all set. So uh, there's a lot of, lot of luggage to be shipped. <laughs> yeah, understandable. All right, well, that may have generated a few phone calls. I don't know, but let's take a call. You're on the Upfront program on WNRI. Thanks for calling. Hello. Hello. If it's really important, don't ship anything, because what do you do when you get there and it's not there? Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, underwear and things. I can and hear socks. you, Chris. You're laughing because you, know you know how that goes, and it happens. I'm well, sorry. Well, are, you talking about, are you talking about specifically the golf clubs? I'm talking about golf clubs. I'm talking about hmm. anything that you need. <laughs> oh, the, the golf clubs I have plan B, though. So yeah. my, I don't insure. My father always told me don't insure things that you can afford to replace, but I yeah. do. I do, I do have my golf clubs insured, so yeah, if they oh, were to absolutely. be if they were to be lost, I clear that and I would use the PXGs down at uh, the cost. And the same way with the luggage, we had it insured so much that I was hoping that the luggage wouldn't be there <laughs> when I when I got on the cruise ship because I was going to be a rich man if uh, if that luggage didn't show up. But it's, unfortunately, it was right there in the room. And, you know, they do say that they will get it for you. It will come in. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, you need what you need. And, and you know, Chris, uh, golf clubs are, are often customized for the person, for their height, for, for just about everything, and uh, their grip. And people want what they're used to using, and um, especially in a situation where we're talking about something that they're going to be doing and there might be people playing against each other, a few bucks here, a few bucks there. You want what you need. <laughs> Absolutely. Golf clubs are one of the few things that you pay the same price if they're custom made versus buying them off the rack. Like if you buy a really, really nice suit, it could cost you, what, a, you know, $1,000 if it was custom made. If you, yep. Golf clubs, if you're paying $3,000 for those clubs, they cost the same amount whether they're custom made or not. So I tell anyone who's serious about the game, you're crazy not to have them custom made. That's very true. And to be perfectly honest, I've got four golfers in my family, so and they really play. So, um, you know, I, I have heard so many different stories. So, you know what? 
do what you said. Make sure they're going to be there under all situations. Don't even take the chance that they're not. Absolutely. Especially if you're on, especially if you're on vacation. Absolutely. Oh, certainly, if you're on vacation. Yeah. And yeah. That, but what happens too is you you kind of stack the deck in your favor because there's no way I'm shipping golf clubs or grabbing them just to play once. I have to play at least twice. So exactly. that's that's my yeah. negotiation leverage. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, well, that sounds pretty good to me. But I mean, you know, don't underestimate and don't think that you know um, these things don't happen because they happen more often than not. Anyway, have a nice. Thank you. Thanks for the call. We have two minutes left. And we're able to fit in another caller. Your comments, please. Morning, guys. Good morning. I got a quick question. Customized golf clubs versus borrowed or rented clubs. Do you see any difference in your scores? I actually do. Um, My clubs have a certain kick point, and I have a certain grip, and I'm used to them. They have a certain lie. So I would say it's, it's probably all in my head. But um, if I'm using regular shafts versus um, stiff shaft or, or extra shaft, like if I tried to use Tiger Woods' clubs, I couldn't get them off the ground. He used a super stiff. I use two. I use super. I use stiff cl- uh, clubs. If I use regular, I, I, I would be a disaster. Well, one thing is, if you rent the clubs or borrow them, <laughs> you can blame that on your low score, right? Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> yes. Have a good day. Thanks Thank for the you. call. All right. Topics that maybe we didn't cover that we can save for another day, like yeah. Tuesday. Well, I did come in early today, and I was able to chat a couple of times. I sent you an email. I actually went to Herb Chambers Cadillac to get an oil change yes. yesterday. I, I I felt so bad for everyone there. They These guys usually sell about 50 cars, 60 cars a month. They have two new Cadillacs in inventory, all because of the lack of chips in, in the industry. So GM and Toyota, Toyota was supposed to ship 900,000 cars worldwide. They're going to ship 500,000 cars. Are you, you saying that chips, computer chips, are as important in a vehicle this day as the motor is? They, they really are. You think about, you know, um, lane change and, and, and uh, automatic stopping, collision, all, all the stuff, all of the navigation, everything. Thing, uh-huh. And they're all hurting for chips. And it wouldn't surprise me if GM, uh, under the leadership of Mary Barrer, probably bought a chip company so this doesn't happen again. Are there any chips made in the USA or are we dependent internationally for them? Yes and yes. There are some made in the U.S., but not enough. It, it, it requires hundreds of millions of dollars to, to an investment for a plant. Uh-huh. And you better anticipate that it's going to be a lot of... Uh, use because for the short time, the short um, shortage, the short-term shortage, it doesn't make economic sense to build more factories. So people are just muddling along. But I would not recommend any of my clients or anybody to buy a new car right now if you don't have to. You're going to pay through the nose. So you and I will not be uh, after the program going out and starting our own chip manufacturing company. Huh? N- no, not unless we can get somebody to lend us a hundred million dollars. A hundred million dollars. Well, thank you. All right, that's it for the show for today. John Brian takes it over on Friday. I'm Roger Bouchard. Thank you, Chris Boulay, for joining us and. And we will see you next time on the Upfront program. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket. WNRI Woonsocket. WNRI.